Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Hey everybody, welcome to church. We're glad that you've joined us here today. My name is Trevor and I'm one of the pastors here at Community of Hope. We want to give a warm welcome to you. We're glad that you've joined us here today, whether you're streaming us in the morning, the afternoon, or the evening, if you're listening to us later on our podcast. We're glad that you're here. Especially, we love to welcome people who might be new to our church and especially those who are just new to church in general and are checking this out if you're spiritually curious. Man, we're glad that you've joined us here today too. And especially for those of you who maybe it's been a long time time since you've been a part of a church or checked out church. Welcome back to those of you as well. We're glad that you're here today. Listen, if you're new and you want to connect with us and take a, take a step to get to know Community of Hope a little bit better, all you have to do is just text the word hello that you see there to the number on the screen, or you could just fill out what we call a connect card on the COH app. All it is where you give us a little bit of information about yourself, so again, we can help you get into the life of what's going on in our church, so make sure that you check that out. So we're really excited today because we're going to be launching a brand new series that we're calling Five Things to Grow Your Faith. That's right, Five Things to Grow Your Faith. Now, we're not trying to be super clickbaity here. We talk about this like this isn't a numbers game necessarily, because just like you, uh, I am sick to death of all the articles and all the emails and the tweets and the posts and everything else that people have some sort of number and then something you want like, oh, four foods that you should eat to lose weight, which for me, that's kind of an oxymoron. I need to eat this to lose weight, whatever. Um, how about this? I'm sick of seeing articles too that say things like six ways or six secrets that billionaires have to success. Or maybe here's one that might I might like, I might put up with of 12 reasons why Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Do you see what I did there? 12 and Tom Brady. Ah, you see that? Now, that's even if we have football and even if we have a Super Bowl this year. But this there are super clickbaity ways where everybody's saying this number of this many ways to do this or that. That is not what we're doing here today. And what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks with five things to grow your faith. See, what we're doing here is not some marketing scheme. These five things are actually built off of an observation that we've made as a church. See, there's uh, uh, some of our research and how we've learned how people grow best spiritually. We did some reading from Andy Stanley and North Point Community Church, and their team came up with what are some of the irreducible minimums, what are the irreducible minimum ways that God uses to grow people's faith, and they distilled it down to just five things. And what they did with their team was they, they said, okay, everybody, I want you to think of all the ways of your, your journey of spiritual awakening, of spiritual growth, how you entered into a relationship with Jesus. Think of all the things that may have grown you spiritually over all the years. And when they took all those things, they categorized them and they all fit under one of five headings. In fact, we've done this here with our staff and our team in a kind of a modified way in a discussion type of exercise. And we agree with them that each one of our experiences we've personally had and the experiences that we know from each one of you of what grows people's faith fits under five irreducible things. We totally and completely agree. 
And so this is what we're going to be focusing on over the next several weeks is exploring each one of these five things to grow your faith. Now, we're going to take the next several weeks to do this. And we have a new theme verse for our church. We like to practice scripture memorization. We're going to put it up on the screen. And this comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. This is going to be like our anchor verse throughout the next several weeks. And let's read it all together. If you're in a place where you can read this with me on the screen, it says it here in verse 3. Read this with me. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightfully so. Because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Man, that's what it's all about. Uh, We also have online for this uh, new smartphone backgrounds for whether you're an iPhone person or an Android person. You can go ahead and download that off our website. You're on your phone all day anyway right now. So might as well put a background on there to help you get God's word buried deep in your heart. Make sure you do that. So, but before we do this exploration of these five things in particular that are just necessary to grow your faith, what we're going to do today is to take a step back and to pause and to just explore the idea of faith in general, of what is faith, what is faith not, and how do you grow it in particular? So here's what we're going to do. For today's message, we're going to jump in in the gospel of Matthew with an incredible story from the life of Jesus. And it comes from Matthew chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open up now. If you have your phone handy, you have your Bible app, go ahead and do that. You can open up the sermon notes on the COH app. However you do this, just make sure you get some eyes on the scripture. You just follow along on the screen as well. This is Matthew chapter 8. It starts in verse 5. It goes through verse 10. Now listen to this story here and look for where faith shows up. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, He was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found any, anyone in Israel with such great faith. Would you pray with me? So father, we come to you through the name of Jesus and we come by the power of your Holy spirit and Lord for all who are joining us for worship and who are streaming this or listening to it later, we ask uh, you that you would do what the psalmist prayed, that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your law. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So let's talk about this idea of faith. And what we could see from this passage was that Jesus was amazed at faith. 
He was only amazed twice in all of the scriptures and both of them around faith in particular. We just spent several weeks talking about this. See, the other, only other time when Jesus was amazed at something, he was amazed at a person's faith. But in the gospel of Mark, he's amazed at a negative example of faith of somebody who has a lack of faith. Not that they struggle with faith, but with really what's understood is unbelief. It's kind of like anti faith. And Jesus was blown away by that to go, wow, really? So the passage we just read here is the other positive example of a time when Jesus was blown away by somebody in a good way to see this Roman centurion's faith. And he said, that is great faith. Wow. See this Roman centurion, even though he was not an Israelite, he was a Gentile understood that Jesus had spiritual authority. In fact, he was requesting Jesus for a miracle, not just a miracle, but a healing miracle and a long distance miracle. And that he had faith in Jesus and in his power and spiritual authority to be able to carry that out. Jesus is blown away by this. See, God is often blown away and um, his heart swells when people put their faith in him. Now, let's just make sure we don't have any misunderstanding about what faith is and what faith is not. Earlier this year, we started 2020 off with a sermon series called Best Year Yet, right? Man, that has not aged well. Pastor Dale and I, we're prophets. We're like Nostradamus over here. This is going to be the best year yet. Oh, boy. Well, nonetheless, the content of that sermon series was really great. And we talked about faith in one of the beginning weeks of that series. You can go back and see which app or online and watch it. And we talked about the idea of faith and what it is and what it is not. And here's some of the things that we said, just a quick recap to help you align what we're talking about here. First off that we said that faith, first off, it's not blind. Okay. A lot of people, especially, um, maybe irreligious people, they might be spiritual, but they don't consider themselves religious or maybe people who just are skeptical of the church thing altogether. They often think that, so I just have to have blind faith in this whole God and Jesus thing. And that is not true at all. That's the exact opposite of what this book tells people to do when to have faith. Faith is not blind. In fact, Jesus tells us we're commanded all throughout the scriptures to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and with all of our mind. You don't need to check your brain at the door to follow Jesus. That would dishonor him. So it's not blind. And faith, it's also, it's not 100% certainty about what we're talking about. There's always an element of mystery with faith. In fact, some of the great heroes of the Bible struggled with doubt, struggled with uncertainty, had questions for God. Many of them in their prayers, they're recording the scriptures. They would ask things like, God, what are you doing? God, where are you? God, what's happening? I'm not sure what's going on right now. They expressed this doubt, this uncertainty. So faith isn't necessarily that if they're called the heroes of the faith, what is faith. If you look at the Greek term in the New Testament, Jesus is excited and blown away by the Roman centurion's faith. It basically boils down to this idea. It's not just faith, like check yes, check no. Do you believe or not believe? It's more along the idea of confidence or even this. It's trust. It's trust. Faith 
is trust. One Bible dictionary talks about this word that's used in the New Testament around faith in Greek. It's to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. That's what faith is all about. Faith is trust. And this is what we're trying to grow in people. See, this is so true in the whole story of Scripture. See, humanity, we got ourselves into the mess that we're in right now because we quit trusting God. In the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of, uh, not Gethsemane, the Garden of Eden, excuse me, I need more coffee. Um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they quit trusting that God had their best interests in mind. And so they believe the temptation of the serpent that came to them. They sinned and sin and death and suffering all entered into the world because people first quit trusting God. And the whole story of the Old Testament, the Jewish sacred scriptures, they're the lineage and heritage for all Christ followers all over the world. The story of the whole entire Old Testament is God coming to his people again and again and again and saying, just trust me. From Egypt to Canaan to Jerusalem to developing all of the promised land into exile and Babylon, all the way back to Israel, it's over and over and over again. God reaching out and saying, would you trust me? And the story continues on. It's true in the New Testament as well, where God the Father is inviting the Jewish people of Israel and then all of the whole world to enter into relationship with him through his son, Jesus, by faith, by trust. In fact, Pastor Andy Stanley says this. He says, at its core, Christianity is an invitation to re-enter a relationship of trust with the Father. At the cross, sin was forgiven and we were invited to trust. It makes perfect sense that salvation comes by faith not obedience. We're saved by faith, not by works. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by faith through grace. This is the message of all of scripture. And so when scripture talks about faith and how this amazed Jesus, what we could totally see throughout all of scriptural history and through our observation as followers of Jesus and as pastors and spiritual leaders in our community that spiritual growth, how to grow your spiritual life is all about growing your faith, growing your trust in God and who he says he is and what he has promised to do. It's about growing trust. One of my favorite books I started to read this summer um, it's an old book that's gone through many, many, many reprintings. And I've I wanted to read it for many years. And I just decided, you know, if this has had generational impact upon Christ's kingdom in the world, then I should read this for myself. So it's an older book. If you haven't heard of it, it's called Ordering Your Private World by a great pastor named Gordon McDonald. And uh, that's a new cover of the book that you see there on the screen. Mine is straight up 1985, my copy. Um, but it's a fantastic book. And one of the places in this book, Gordon McDonald is talking about how to spiritually grow. And he's talking about what is a good metaphor to talk about what's happens in the inner center of a person's spiritual life. Like deep in here, who you really are, not 
feelings and emotions necessarily, but even deeper than that, at the core inner self of who you are, what's the best way to describe that? Because the Bible gives us lots of helpful metaphors. Well, Gordon McDonald makes the case that the best way to describe your spiritual life at the center of who you are is the metaphor of a garden. That's right. A garden that the core of who you are, there should be a growing garden as a place where you and God can meet. Now, some people, especially some of our tougher guys in our congregation who might be listening to this, like I'm not much of a gardener. You might be like Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, where you'd rather have your inner center be a wood shop necessarily. But just trust me, this is a biblical metaphor and run with me here. In fact, in our daily readings uh, in scripture this week, John 15, Jesus talks about his father as a gardener. So this is okay. So just roll with me for a second, okay? At the inner core of who you are, the spiritual center of your being is supposed to be a garden. Now I want to show you a picture. Uh, back in 2007, I had the privilege of going to uh, Scotland with my family. Now, if you know me, you know, I, I just from Scottish heritage, I call myself, I'm the Scottish Sasquatch. I love plaid and rebelling against the British. I mean, it's just all in my blood. And so here's a picture of me and my family um, at a place called Edinburgh Botanical Gardens, um, in Scotland. So 2007, look how cool I am in that picture. I'm rocking a Thundercat shirt. You're jealous of how cool I am. I know there's not an ounce of nerd in me at all. So that's my mom, my dad, my older brother, Graham. He got all the, the tall jeans in our family. And uh, that's uh, now my sister-in-law, Nina. They got engaged on that trip, actually. Uh, three weeks later is when I was about to begin to date my wife, Leah, and she's still a little sore that I didn't ask her out sooner uh, in 2007 because maybe she would have been on that trip, but I digress. So um, we're in Edinburgh Botanical Gardens. I'm showing you this picture because this is actually some of the most beautiful places I've ever been uh, considering a garden because just in the UK, their gardens are incredible. It's beautiful there. They just don't have flowers and that's my garden. They have entire spaces and property that are beautiful, beautiful gardens. And I took a lot of different pictures of close-up flowers and plants or whatever else, but there's one picture I took that just really captures, I think, the heart and the essence of this idea. I want to show it to you now. This is a, one of my favorite pictures from Edinburgh Botanical Gardens. And just look at that. I mean, my soul just decompresses thinking about that space and thinking about that picture. And while you're listening to me, especially if you're watching the video of this, I want you to consider looking at this idea of this is what a garden is supposed to be like. Everything is set in order. Things have grown in place. There's green everywhere. There's something about the lushness of that that makes you breathe and makes it an inviting space. And this is what Gordon McDonald and some of the other authors of scripture are telling us about the idea of your inner center being a garden is that this is what your soul is supposed to look like as a meeting place for you and God. That is what it's supposed to look like. All right, guys, you can get that picture off. And I want to just talk to everybody here for just a second. That inside of every human being, we have a place to where it can be well meant, well tended to, 
or not. It could be put in order or not. Things could be growing there or not. But if a person is spiritually growing, new life is coming up and there's green bursting everywhere inside and it's creating a beautiful place for God to come dwell. It's almost like the Garden of Eden being restored, but instead of in a place, it's inside of you where you and God can go walk in the cool of day and to have intimate friendship in the deep places inside of you. This is what faith, this is what trust does to the human soul. It makes things grow on the inside. It makes it inviting for God to come and dwell. Spiritual growth, guys. It's all about faith and developing this trust. Now, what's really important for me that I want you to know is that it's always about this faith and trust idea because so many followers of Jesus, so many of them misunderstand what causes spiritual growth and they totally miss the mark on this idea of faith as trust and they try all sorts of other things to make themselves grow. Like some people, I see this all the time, they think if I have more knowledge, more Bible study, more theology, more expositional stuff of types, different types of texts, if I have that type of information, that means I'm spiritually growing. But that's not necessarily true because scripture is perfectly clear that knowledge alone leads to pride. Knowledge alone makes us prideful. In fact, I needed to remind myself of this daily. Like I have a master's degree in theology. So it sounds weird for me to say knowledge will make you prideful. It is because it's dangerous in that sense of a way. Knowledge alone without faith won't cause people to grow spiritually. When I was in seminary, I took this verse out of the New Testament and I put it on the front of my seminary binder. I'm going to show you a picture here. And it says this. It's from 1 Corinthians Chapter 8, verse 1, paraphrased, and the Apostle Paul tells people, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. See, the scriptures are clear that all that counts is faith working itself out through love. And that people are just growing in knowledge alone. Knowledge isn't bad, but they just grow in knowledge alone. It won't lead to spiritual growth. It will lead to disease spiritually called pride. So knowledge alone isn't what makes people grow spiritually. No. Other people uh, have different types of ideas of what might make people grow spiritually. Some think, okay, if I have more action, more obedience of carrying out this book, then that's going to make me grow spiritually. But see, that alone, see, obedience is good, but obedience alone makes people pretty judgmental and sometimes legalistic. Have you ever met a judgmental legalistic Christian? Yeah, they're not very nice to be around. In fact, we've done messages here before, literally titled, How to Be Holy Without Being a Jerk. Because this is a real thing. And this happens when people confuse the real marker for spiritual growth. Ah, it's my obedience to carrying out all these commands. That alone, you're going to miss the mark. And you're going to hurt people, including yourself. I've been there. It's easy to confuse that for spiritual growth. And really the one thing that I want you to know today 
is that, yeah, faith is trust, but this is how we grow spiritually. It's not just knowledge alone or obedience alone, but it's trust. And when we learn to trust God more, it leads to spiritual growth because trust makes us dependent upon God. Now, I want to be very clear. It's hard to trust God if you don't know who he is. So you have to learn about him. And trust in God is shown by us walking out what he asks us to do. So I'm not anti-knowledge, anti-obedience, but those alone lead to spiritually sick people. But if you put the primary emphasis on growing your trust in who God says he is and what he says he does and what he has promised to do, that's what grows people on the inside and creates a garden full of green, beautiful growth. Because when we trust God, it makes us dependent upon him. And when we become dependent upon him, he gets all of the glory. If I think through all the people in my life who were the most like Jesus, who talked like him, who treated people the way he would treat people. I mean, these types of people, you could just feel Jesus on these types of people. Like whatever you have, whatever that is, I want whatever you have. Those people in my life who I want to be like, and I want to emulate because they remind me of Jesus. How do you think they got that way? They got that way because they learned to grow their dependence upon him. They learn to grow their trust in him. They learn to believe him and take him at his word for who he says he is. And whoever you put your trust in is who you end up becoming like. And that's where spiritual growth happens. And this is what we're going to be doing across this series is learning how to grow our faith as trust in him. One of my all-time favorite Bible passages is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And King Solomon wrote this. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. You know, guys, can you just imagine what life would look like? Then this season, I mean, this is the perfect time when there is a lot of stress, a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of pain going on. Now is the time to learn to trust in God and to have faith in him in a deeper way. And can you imagine what your life would look like if you learned to trust him even just a few steps more than you currently do right now? What would it look like? You know what it would look like? It would look like depending on him where God would show up in ways where he would get all the glory and your life would get better. As Proverbs says, trust in him, submit your ways to him and he will make your paths straight. Make sure you come back the next few weeks as we talk about these five ways of how to grow this trust, this faith inside your soul. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for who you are and how you are the God uh, who reaches out your hand and you are constantly inviting us into a relationship of trust with you. 
Lord, we thank you that you're the God who reaches out for us like this. And we say yes. So Lord, over these next few weeks, would you grow the faith of the people of community of hope, grow us in our trust and our reliance, our dependence and our confidence in who you are. Make us a people of faith so that you would get glory and so that our paths would be made straight. In Jesus name we pray. And everybody at home said, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, if you're ready to take your next step of faith, uh, maybe you're ready to enter into a relationship of trust again with God. If you're not a Jesus follower or a Christ follower, maybe you're ready to get more involved in the church, find out about a small group, maybe become a partner of COH, whatever your next step spiritually might be. Go ahead and text the word next to the number on the screen. You can just go to communityofhope.church slash next, and we'd love to help you take your step and faith. So with that, friends, let's now enter into worship and worship this God who invites us to trust him.